big star out of me. Make a film about a man who's sad and lonely. And all I gotta do is act naturally. Well, I'll bet you I'm gonna be a big star. Might win an Oscar, you can never tell. The movie's gonna make me a big star. Hello. Welcome to Meet Me at the Movies. I am You forget Noel. the name of the show? I did. Sounded like I just wanted to have that, that dramatic pause before I told them what it was. Noel T. Manning II here, hanging out uh, with uh, Ricardo Montalban. Uh, he is, uh, he's, his shirt is made of Corinthian leather. Don't Welcome. know if you realize that. Corinthian leather. Man, how are you, dude? I'm, I'm, I look like a low-rent. Steve Jobs instead of, <laughs> instead of Ricardo Montalban yeah. in his white suit. No, that that is that is Greg Tillman. Uh, he is the uh, the general manager here at uh, C19. He is the one that recruited me. It's my me. fault. It is. It it's is my fault. fault. The show's on the air. At all. <laughs> it's his fault that we are still on the air. Uh, we do talk movies uh, every single week, and we got a lot to talk about today. Yeah. Um, we we gave you a tease last week of of something uh, that we're going to get to a couple of movie reviews, and uh, Greg is going to give you his take on those. Uh, also, but uh, but before we do any of that stuff, well, we got to go back to Mission Control. Uh, Tim, Tim, Tim Foster. Yeah, there's Tim. Tim's there. He's running the show. Uh, D Bird, uh, D Bird. He's fresh off. Um, he, he is fresh off of a DJ stint uh, in Kaiser last weekend. And man, I heard that you had seven people that showed up. And I, I hope I hope that was for two people. Sorry, two people. Uh, and and they had they had five teeth each. What is that all about, Wait a dude? minute. I'm from Upper that's, Cleveland that's County. That's what he said. I, I, that's not me. That was Tim Foster holding up that I, stuff. I, and am, I hail three. from Upper Cleveland yeah. County. Oh, I have okay. to defend they were, they were cleaning Bellwood, their teeth. Kayser, Foster, and Londale Povel. They were cleaning their teeth. Yeah, so uh, we, we, well, yeah. Okay. We, we appreciate you guys helping us to make this show happen. <laughs> we, we talk movies, and uh, let's, let's dive right in. Yeah. Um, this is kind of sad news, but, but I don't think news that's really shocking to anybody uh no, stan lee no. passed away uh stan lee um you know in, in in recent years he's not been the most healthy but he's still kept on going well he passed away at 95. but but the guy was brilliant on a mul multiple levels and one of the things that i think he brought to uh, the comics especially uh mainstream comics he, he brought you uh characters who were incredibly flawed who had a lot of baggage. And that's new, right? That was new to comics. You know, we, 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 we saw it in some of the later years, I think probably with Batman's character, but, but to see it kind of in the forefront with dealing with issues of, of alcoholism and dealing with, with, uh, with other issues of the day, Stan Lee, um, you know, and, and, and some, a lot of those that he worked with, you know, that core group that he worked with said, let's Let's you know. Let's let's make these characters real. It humanizes them. Let's make them real and human, and uh, that was just fascinating. And anybody who's been a part of the MCU, watching these characters come alive on film, you've seen that. I mean, you look at Tony Stark's character, uh, Iron Man. I mean, you look at the flaws in that character. Yeah. they're there. Right. Uh, I mean, even with uh, I mean, in Thor, who is a god, yet he still has issues yeah. that he's dealing with, and yeah. so all of these characters that we've seen in the past decade, you know, have something to show. And, and I think many of them um, have these human qualities that, that we can relate to or at least say, hey, I know somebody who is like that, you yeah. know, or I've worked with somebody who's like that. So yeah. Stan Lee, uh,
you know, you are going to be missed. Your cameos are going to be missed. I think they, they shot like... several in the can already, don't they? Yes, several of them in the can. And you know what? I would love to see them, even after those are all done, I would love to see them do CG, CGI versions of Stan Lee. And I think he'd appreciate it. He'd probably get a kick out of I that. I think he'd appreciate yeah. it. What's your favorite Marvel character that he created? Wow. Um, you know, I, I was always, as a kid, drawn to Spider-Man, but, but also a fan of the Hulk. And I think uh, being a fan of the Hulk um, was because of that dual nature that we yeah. all have. Yeah. I think that's what made it kind of real to me, uh, you know, living on that kind of the edge of the dark side. When are you going to slip over and, and, and become that thing that you can't control, that thing you can't contain? So goodbye, Stan Lee. Uh, you are going to be missed, but we're looking forward to seeing more of your work on screen. Uh, let's dive into some of these movie reviews. Uh, this is all you, Mr. Tillman. Uh, I didn't have a chance to, to review them because... Uh, I was busy doing other yeah, stuff. Yeah, tell me, let's talk about that. No, 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 let's do your reviews first. Let's do your reviews. I'm then not we the can most eloquent guy. Ben will Another talk, reason I shouldn't be on TV. Then we'll talk about me hobnobbing with Robert De Niro before he did SNL. <laughs> we'll talk about that after these reviews. There's a tease. It is. Yeah. We talked last week, we teased yeah. the Orson Welles film, the, the long-awaited Orson Welles film, uh, The Other Side of the Wind. Yeah. And uh, we also talked about the documentary uh, that is the making of that called They'll Love Me When I'm Dead. So let's talk about uh, this film that's been uh, in the works in some form or fashion for decades. You know, so many people would not know Orson Welles if they saw him now or even recognize the name. But he's arguably the greatest director that film has ever had, you know. Uh, he, he peaked too early. He was, peaked was early. What he, in what everything he, he did, he peaked early. He took Broadway by storm when he was in his uh, early 20s. He terrorized the nation on radio with yep. uh, War of the Worlds in 1937 or 39 or something yeah. like that. And then, then he made <laughs> arguably the greatest American film ever, Citizen yeah. Kane, at the age of 27, I think, or 26. Yeah. Uh, incredible. Yeah. It was a takedown on William Randolph Hearst, who owned a lot of theaters. Uh, owned a lot of newspapers. Owned a lot of newspapers. Yeah. Wouldn't take any advertising to promote the film. Wouldn't show the film in, in any of his theaters. Tried and to shut it down. Tried to shut it down and basically kind of snuffed it out for a long time, taking with it Wells's career. Right. Uh, his second film, The Magnificent Ambersons, which what's left of it is still brilliant. But the studio took control of it when he was out of the country and hacked it up. Uh, and he really never recovered from that. He made some uh, some great films along the way, yep. Touch of Evil yep. and a couple others, but uh, most of the rest of his life was spent uh, trying to find money to self-finance his own films. And yep. the last one, and the most legendary, right. really was uh, The Other Side of the Wind. He'd been in Europe uh, for 20 years, I think, decided he wanted to come back and, and try to have one big commercial film yes which would have been his only, he really never had a commercial yeah, success, yeah. possibly Touch of Evil. And so he came back with this idea of doing a documentary of a film within a film. Uh, his buddy John Houston uh, played Jack Hannaford, a director, struggled to find the money, shot it over six years, from 1970 to 1976, uh, ended up with 100 hours of footage. He died at the age of 70 and 85 and was never able to finish it. Yeah. Uh, a protege of his, Peter Bogdanovich, yeah. who is prominent in the film, kind of playing himself. Yeah. Orson to ask him during that period, you know, if, finish it if I can't. Yeah. And it took a long time, obviously, to get it done, but it was finished uh, earlier this year. Yeah, thanks and it's to available Netflix. on Netflix now. Yeah. And it's a fascinating film. It's it's unlike anything else I've ever seen of Orson Welles. You you expect the long, deep 
shots, you know, the deep focus shots that he that he's known for, uh, long tracking shots. And this is just the opposite. You haven't seen it yet, right? No, I haven't. A lot of quick cuts. Yeah. Very. Uh, uh, it looks like it's been shot by a thousand cameras. And, and really kind and of it, ahead of its time it, as far it was, as the way, it was. way this was now, put now you see the fall documentaries, you know, but that at the time you didn't. And it still has touches of just Orson Welles is a genius. Yeah. Uh, his lighting, his, his, his use of shadows, his camera angles. Uh, it, it's, it's fascinating. But I got to admit, the first 10 minutes of it, it had I not realized it was an Orson film and, and was expecting something, I was really thrown off. It's kind of jarring and disjointed. And, okay. And I was half thinking, I was reaching for the pause button. I thought, no, this, it'll get better. And it did. Right. It did. So you, you had to make it through those first yeah, 10, I mean, 15 you know, minutes. So there were scenes that were shot... Uh, a, a line of dialogue was given in 1972, and the reaction shot of that was shot in 1975 on the other side of the world. This wow. is how this thing was shot. Wow. A lot of it was shot uh, in Arizona. I haven't talked about the story other than the director coming back to make an art film. He's kind of a relic of the past. He's sort of a John Ford type director, but he wants to show that he's still hip enough to make a current movie. Right, that he's and, still got it. And, and he, did, he did kind of a pretentious art film which was kind of a spoof on some films being made at the time. Most of the film takes place at um, a party uh, celebrating uh, Jack Hannaford, John Houston's character's 70th birthday at his ranch. And it's the last night of his life, too. <clears throat> Although no one knows it at the time. Well, so spoiler alert, right? Well, no, you kind of know that at the beginning. Uh, okay. Yeah, right. you know that okay. at the beginning. Right. So I'm not giving anything away. Um, but it's just biting dialogue that just kind of crackles and it's just visually uh stimulating it's fascinating yeah it's not a perfect film right. i don't know how you can shoot something over 70 years and have it edited by someone else even though they had wells's notes right and, and wells had started cutting some of what he had yeah so they kind of got the idea of the right. groove he was going for and you have to wonder at the end of it if he'd look at it and go, yeah, that's what I wanted, or yeah. he'd be furious. Or is it something different? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, fascinating. So, um, yeah, fascinating to see something that took that long to shoot and yeah. then was on the shelf and then then found a way to find life again. Yeah. And which, it's, it's in 80, 83% on Rotten Tomatoes or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. So what, uh, what rating are you giving this? I'd have to give it, uh, it's Orson. I'd have to give it an A-. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And what about the documentary that kind of... I saw it follows? last night. It's a documentary uh, that was made in tandem with the completion of Other Side of the Wind. Uh, directed by someone you met maybe over the weekend. Did you meet this guy over the weekend? I can't I'm not sure. It. Did I? Uh, I don't know. He was involved with Won't You Be My Neighbor. Anyway. Oh, okay. Anyway. What, was it uh, Was it Neville? Morgan Neville? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, I sure did get to meet yeah. Morgan Neville. Yeah, he, he directed this. Alan Cumming hosted it. Wow. Uh, and it, it, was, uh, it, it was fascinating. One thing that let me down about that, it, well, first of all, it was about the making of of Wells trying to make the film. I was disappointed that it didn't touch on the efforts made since then to save it, to salvage it, to finish huh, it. Okay. There's nothing about that. I, mean, I think that would be an interesting story, yeah. too. You almost wonder if they had to complete it yeah. before yeah. they got the, the funding, maybe. I don't know. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, yeah. Bogdanovich was involved, of course. Yeah. Uh, Frank Marshall who, you yeah. know, was involved. Yeah. And uh, you had a lot of Hollywood heavyweights, and Netflix ponied up the money right. to do it. But they didn't talk about the restoration process. For instance, there was lines of dialogue that John Houston had. Of course, he's passed away in right. 87. So his son? His had... son, who's an actor, 
sounds a lot like him. Yeah. And he overdubbed his dad's dialogue yeah. 32 years after his yeah. dad's death. Wow. And I try, I knew that when I was watching the Other Side of the Wind, and I couldn't hear it. I couldn't wow. tell the difference. Wow, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So, so for those that are, are film lovers yeah. who want to see um, art uh, and want it's to essential. and want to see Orson Welles and the work of Orson Welles in, in a way that they never would have before. Orson was such a charismatic man. Yeah. Anyway. Funny, brilliant, yeah. fascinating to, to watch and to, just yeah. to sit and listen to. Check it yeah. out. Yes, definitely. If you, if you have Netflix, uh, these two films are available now on Netflix. Yeah. Uh, the Other Side of the Wind it's is It's not the for film. everyone. Yeah, but yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah, other side of the wind is the film and the documentary. They'll love me when I'm dead. Yeah, we're gonna take a break. That's great stuff, man. I'm 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 looking forward to seeing. Well, one it. of us had to work. You partied in New York. I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah like it was 1999. <laughs> See, I still don't know the year. We're gonna take an intermission right here on C19 TV's Meet Me at the Movies. You can email us uh, info at c19.tv. Uh, and I forgot to tell you, there was viewer mail um, that I'll come right back to after viewer the break. Viewer mail? Um, actually. It, well, after the break, after the break, I'll share with you whether it's viewer mail or non-viewer mail. You'll have to decide where it fits. Right after this on Meet Me in the Movies. Chef Paul Prudhomme once said, you don't need a silver fork to eat good food. Well, on Cleveland County Kitchen, we don't have a silver fork, but we sure do serve up lots of good food. Hi, I'm Deborah Blanton. I hope you'll join me for the next Cleveland County Kitchen. Each month, we offer a complete farm-to-table experience. We visit local growers, we learn about nutrition, and wrap things up with wonderful meals prepared by our guest chefs. It's a lot of fun. I hope you'll join me for the next Cleveland County Kitchen. Welcome back to Meet Me in the Movies. Uh, I have now learned how to look into the right camera when I'm uh, talking to uh, the, the audience out there. Well, you're new at it. this. I'm new at this. How uh, many years have been in front of the camera? <laughs> I appreciate uh, Tim, uh, Tim, the, Tim Foster back there in Mission Control uh, telling me to look at the camera with the red tally light. So thank you, man. I, I think I got it now. I really do. Hey, I, I think I see Dennis on the other camera. Yeah, is we that, a, we, we got a close-up of Dennis, too. Yeah. And, isn't there a close-up of him? Yeah. yeah. No, you don't see it. You don't see it. You don't. Uh, well, okay. camera three. All right. Camera three, I think, has got a close-up. There you go. Yeah, there. That's a, it's like Mr. Potato Head. Um, <laughs> right with that shot, that's kind of strange stuff, man. Uh, this is Meet Me, the movie, C19 TV. And if you're listening online, uh, radio, that's WGWG.org. You can also download the podcast from there as well, and we appreciate it. If you want to send us viewer mail, 
uh, or email us info at c19.tv. Now, I, I do have viewer mail, uh, but this is from a guy on the street who just told me and asked me this question. He, so, okay, so he, it's not like, hang on a minute, I need to. No, he didn't write it down. He just asked me the question. And so I'm going to throw this question out to that you count, as well. Does that count as mail, but okay. It All does. Right. Well, it, it counts as viewer. No more than we get. Yeah, it's sure. A viewer, not? Uh, this, and it comes from Adam. His name is Adam. Um, Adam wants to know if you or I um, get upset or get ruffled by historical inaccuracies in films. The reason he has this question, this guy is also a huge music trivia nerd, Adam, and because you told me you were. I'm not calling you out. You just told me you were. And so he saw Bohemian Rhapsody, and he said he had a lot of problems with that movie from a historical accuracy standpoint. And he rattled off about 15 of them, and I haven't gone to research to see if he's right or not. But he just did ask that question. And uh, so I wanted to ask you that question before I gave my response. Not really. Okay. I, I yep. expect them to take certain liberties. Uh, I mean, you're not watching a documentary. You're right. watching a, a pseudo-fictional piece. Right. Yep. And they're going to ramp up things and move things around for dramatic purposes. That is, you know what does bug me? And it's just the technical geek in me. Uh, if you're watching, a, say, a crime thriller, and they've got surveillance video, right. and then they zoom in from some little security camera across the street and get the license tag, and it's crystal clear. Right. Doesn't work that way. Can't do that. <laughs> Drives me crazy. I want to shoot out the TV. So, but, but that's the baggage that you bring with it. Yeah. Adam, Adam brings the baggage of, of knowing the sequence of when yeah. certain Queen songs actually showed up, what yeah. albums they actually showed up on. And, you know, those things really bothered him about the movie. And, and when I talked to him, I said, you know, those things didn't bother me because I took it, this is another medium. You're having to tell a story and you're having to, to you know, combine sometimes five or six characters into one character. It's not a documentary. It's not the uh, actual things that happened with, uh, with this film. It's, it's a, a snapshot of yeah. different components of yeah. the life of Freddie Mercury and those around him during that time. I get it. When I, and I, I had some of the same problems when I saw Abraham Lincoln's uh, Vampire Hunter. Yeah. Because I didn't know how much was real. You know, I figured some of it has to yeah, be. Yeah, yeah. Well, you but, know, for but me, you don't know where to draw the line. The pride, prejudice, and zombies. The yeah. same way with yeah. me. You know? Exactly. So yeah. historical inaccuracies, um, I think it's up to each person, you know, how they, what baggage they take with them. But uh, ultimately, it is a film. And try to separate the film from fact. And uh, if you really want to look at, um, at, at film facts and, and what's real and what's not, there's some great websites. Uh, and there's one that deals with uh, it's, you know, history versus screen. And it, it looks at the films. It says, okay, here's what's accu accurate. Here's what's not. But it doesn't really matter. But ultimately, if it uh, gets people to go back and research, right. I think it's well worth it. And I do that often. I do, too. Uh, I do, too. I'll, I'll finish something that is based on yeah. fact. I'll go back and Google and go, well, did yeah. this really happen like this? Yeah. For instance, there was a scene toward the end of First Man, and right. you know what I'm talking about. Yes. And I wondered if that was true. Yeah, I'm the same way. And they're speculating that it was, right. but it was speculation. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. But it's fun stuff. To me, yeah. if you've got a film that's based on a true story, based on a, a biography of someone, if it, if it challenges you to go back and, and research, then I think it's also done, um, it's done more than its job. Yeah. So there I you agree. go. Thanks for, thanks for that question. Whether it's on the street, whether it's email to info at c19.tv, or whether you call it in at BR549, 
We will respond. We will respond. Well, let's, let's talk about the Critics' Choice Awards. Last weekend, this is the Critics' Choice Documentary Awards. Um, I was in New York uh, over the weekend, last weekend. Um, and I went to Arby's. And you went to Arby's. And I, I washed uh, my car. Yeah, and, uh, so, and, yeah. and Jay, Jay Phelps said he would have rather been with you at Arby's. I don't know what that was all about, <laughs> but, uh, but Jay, hey, thanks for chiming in. Um, it was a great experience. It was one I did not even know that was going to happen until... Uh, midweek before it happened, I got a, got an invite, and, um, and and Netflix offered basically to do an all-expense-paid trip, and I said, yeah. After about 12 seconds uh, to to realize they were for real, I yeah. said, yeah, I'll I'll do this. Well, that doesn't happen every day, right? It does not happen every day, and so I got a chance to do that, um, and so we had the Critics' Choice Award on uh, Saturday, and then Sunday uh, a screening of the movie Roma which we'll come back and talk about later uh, in an interview with Al Alfonso Coron um, and um, got a chance to talk to him as well. So we'll talk about that on a future show yeah. before this opens. But the Critics' Choice Awards, uh, I just want to share with you quickly the winners and then we can talk about uh, some of that if we get a chance to. Michael Moore got the Lifetime Achievement Award. Uh, Did for you his meet him? Body of work. Yes, got to meet him. Um, got to spend about 10 minutes chatting with him. Wow. Really nice. Yeah. Robert De Niro introduced him. Uh, the table I was supposed to be sitting at, I got bumped for De Niro, but I had a better seat. So there you go, Bobby. Uh, won't you be my neighbor? Which uh, we got a chance to check out. We interviewed Nicholas Ma, the We'll uh, have more the on that. In, well, more on that next, next week. week. Yeah. And uh, that won three awards. It won Best Documentary, Best Director, and also Best Editing. And it should have. It should have. Uh, it was well worth it. Um, got a chance to talk Beautiful. to um, several of the people involved in that at the awards. And, and we're going to do a, kind of a Q&A a with a couple of next week. Beautiful yeah. movie and, uh, and, and a film that um, speaks on a lot of different levels. And Nicholas Ma um, emailed me from Paris this week because I emailed him to congratulate him. Um, and uh, he had something to share, which we'll share yeah. in our special show as well. Free Solo, uh, this is a movie about a, a solo climb, uh, El Capitan, and it follows this journey of this guy really clinging to life or death. It's insane. Absolutely insane. Um, this got uh, three awards also, best documentary, uh, it got, sorry, it got best sports documentary, most innovative documentary, and also best cinematography. And when you think about this movie, when you look at the scenes of this, you've got to understand not only was this guy up there, but you also had to have cameras in these places that are very difficult to get. So Free yeah. Solo uh, is that movie, uh, a, a documentary that you and I both love, the Zen Diaries of Gary Shandling. Yeah, uh, that HBO. One, that one, uh, HBO, won for Best Limited Documentary Series, well worth it. Uh, the late Anthony Bourdain um, got uh, Parts Unknown. It got Best Ongoing Documentary oh, Series. Oh, did it? Okay. So uh, happy for that. Uh, best Political Documentary, RGB. I'm sorry, RBG, about Ruth Ginsburg. <laughs> sorry. BLT, um, what'd you sorry, say? Sorry, about Ruth Ginsburg. Okay. RB, RBG. RBG is the name of the best political. You're thinking of RGB because that's a television that term is. that we And I'm also thinking of a football player that, that carries, his, uh, carries that, those initials as well. But there's also going to be a movie about her life uh, relating to gender equality coming out very soon as well. But that got best political documentary. And Quincy, about uh, Quincy Jones. Uh, that got the best music documentary, and his daughter was there to accept on his behalf. Now, I did not know this. Rashida Jones, 
who was in Parks and Rec, mm -hmm. also in the office. Yeah, that's his, his daughter. daughter. Yeah, I knew that. I didn't know that. Yeah, uh, the, his mother, her mother uh, was Peggy, or maybe still, I don't know if she's alive or not, Peggy Lipton. Who yeah, was on but the I, Mod Squad. I, I knew that, but I did not know that Rashida was yep. was the daughter, and uh, she was just feet away so from So why me. wasn't Quincy there? He's alive. Uh, he was he was making music. Oh, okay. Yeah, he was making music. Uh, so anyway, uh, it was it was a it was a great event, a heck of a lot of fun, and uh, an experience that that uh, you don't get quite often. And so I, I feel pretty fortunate this year to have gone to the Critics' Choice Awards back in January, and then to to go for this. The only thing I can really contribute to this conversation is that you should try the Reuben at Arby's. <laughs> okay, we can do that. We can do that. Uh, but yeah, it was it was a great experience. Um, the, the filmmakers were there, um, and they were um, they were appreciative as well. Some of the presenters, uh, as I mentioned, Rashida Jones. You also had uh, Matt Dillon. Uh, he he got a he, he was leaving Gunsmoke and came That's over. I loved him on Gunsmoke. Yeah, he was came Festus over from there? Gunsmoke and he he delivered some pretty cool. Was Festus stuff. there? Or Festus, Fester, Fester, or Uncle Fester was there. Uncle Festus was there. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it was great experience. I'm really happy I had a chance to do it and. Um, to, to hear these filmmakers kind of share their stories and their thank yous. The best one, I will share this before we wrap up, uh, Michael Moore, Lifetime Achievement Award, he got up and he shared the story of him receiving the Oscar for Bowling for Columbine. Right. He never got to finish his speech because he got booed from the stage. He finished his speech for us. <laughs> He, he pulled it out and he shared the speech that never got shared before. Wow! And it was just to hear him share it and have the, you know share it with with like-minded people as far as like-minded documentary people, nonfiction people. What twenty years later? Twenty years yeah. later um, was pretty cool. Yeah, I'm gonna say that was pretty cool. And yeah. then kind of talking to him afterwards, and he said, you know, he says it was something I always wanted to do. He says after I did that and got booed off the the stage at the Oscars, he said, you know, I wondered. Will I, at that point, will I ever make another documentary? That's, you know, you, you don't expect to be booed um, by your, you know, by your colleagues. When you're winning an Oscar. Yeah, but, uh, but he, you know, he, he, he took on, he took a political stance. And, uh, and at that particular time, that political stance was not, was not very welcomed with that audience. And, uh, but ultimately, at the end of his speech, he said, you know, um, anybody can make a film. But he said, if you want to make a film and, and ask tough questions and, and ask for the truth, he said, that's even more difficult because you've got to be willing um, to be spit at. You've got to be willing to be beat up. You've got to be willing to be you know, kicked. You've got to be willing to put your life literally on the line. Right. So he said, I challenge anyone who's going out making nonfiction films um, to do it and to do it honorably. So, so there you go. So Critics' Choice Awards, uh, enjoyed going to the Documentary Awards last week. I want to leave you with a quote of the week, uh, as we always like to do. This uh, is a Orson Welles quote. Uh, this is not from a movie, but this is from Orson Welles. And it's a quote that I actually had to really think about. Um, I had to think about it like seven times, and I'm still thinking about it. But, but this is Orson Welles. He said, the enemy of art is the absence of limitations. So, uh, so think about that. The enemy of art is the absence of limitations. Orson Welles, uh, that is it for this week on Meet Me in the Movies. Uh, Greg Tillman uh, over there beside one of the cameras, uh, camera three, I think. And back in the uh, commission control, we've got D-Bird, and we've also got uh, Tim, Tim Foster, making sure everything happens. And for our viewers uh, and our listeners, thanks for spending time with us right here on Meet Me in the Movies on C19 TV. Till next time, that's a wrap. Happy